You are listening to WHOA Podcast, coming to you from Gainesville, Florida. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the WHOA GNV Podcast, the coronavirus sessions, where our temporary mission is to save as many businesses and jobs as possible by sharing how your fill. <laughs> Fellow business owners and professionals are navigating the impact of COVID-19. I am your host, Colin Austin, and my co-host is Michael Dees. What's going on? Are you okay? <laughs> you usually I'm get like, through the intro so good. <laughs> I don't know. I'm like trying to, I'm trying to like, you know, rattle off all of that in the first few seconds just to kind of yeah. keep these like nice and tight. And then of course I like flumble it. <laughs> but how are you, man? It's a lot. I'm well, man. Just got a nice clean shave for the first time in forever. So I'm trying to look a little less uh, dusty, we'll say. But no, I'm good. I'm good. Uh, business is going okay. We're getting some sales, doing our, our, our remote e-sales and everything. So it's, it's good. Yeah, dude. Remote life with uh, the no shaving thing and no haircuts has, been, has <laughs> really been impacting the world, you know, in, in May of 2020. So... Well, right on. I'm excited to get into this episode. But before we do, you guys, we got we have to thank our incredible sponsors who make all of this happen. Um, have you guys noticed those blue Colliers International signs all over Gainesville? Those are the signs of progress, my friends. Colliers Gainesville is the region's top commercial real estate team. When you need to buy or sell commercial land or buildings, find a new space for your business, or lease out a property you own, turn to Collier's Gainesville. They close more than 60 deals a year. Shouldn't yours be one of them? Uh, yeah. <laughs> Check out all of their services at Collier's.com slash Gainesville. It's Collier's.com slash Gainesville. Dan Drodos and team over at Collier's. I appreciate you guys so much for your sponsorship of this podcast. You guys are awesome. Awesome. We also, once again, have Brian Aurelio and Broker Pest Control. Dude, these guys have been serving the pest control, servicing the pest control needs of commercial and residential properties for years. Uh, it's mosquito season. Every time I go out and walk the dogs at night, I'm getting feasted upon. So if you're having problems with those, fleas, ticks, termites, Maybe even some of the creatures that might get brought up on today's episode. Or better yet, if you if you want to prevent ever having issues with these little critters, uh, give the team at Brooker Pest Control a shout out at 352-378-2433 or find them online at brookerpestcontrol.com. Uh, Brian and his team, they service uh, all of our stuff at New Scooters for Less. I know they service your uh, house there, Colin. Uh, they're, they're just yep. absolutely amazing. So if you have any needs in the pest control uh, area, give them a shout. Yeah. Let's go. <laughs> Let's do this. You guys ready? Today on the I'm, show, you guys, we have my friend Bob Guerriere of Ancient Reproductions talking about critters. Um, I, I, I'm really fascinated. I really want to know how uh, COVID-19 has impacted critter life and all the stuff that <laughs> Bob does. Uh, yeah. But no, you guys, Bob is somebody I've known for a long time. He's been a huge supporter of our podcast and I'm just super honored to have him on the show today and to dive into whatever. But let's go, Bob. How are you, man? Good, good. Hey, guys. Great to be here. Thank you for having me. Why don't you give us like the legit introduction to who you are and like and what you do? <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. I have. <laughs> uh, I started a uh, early on and uh, sometime in my life, I caught the fire for and fascination for reptiles, but yet I had a 
a real business interest and early on in the late 80s or so, I won't take you guys too far back, but in the late 80s or so, sort of the modern day, what we call herpetoculture or the reptiles, you know, being kept in a serious way and bred and offered commercially was just sort of bubbling up and, and I happened to um, be pointed to a, a really cool shop in town by uh, eighth grade science teacher I had. He says, man, you have to check this place out. You would love it. And so basically that led to a career in reptiles where I started my own business in the early 90s and really started investing as far back as the late 80s and today, uh, run a business called Ancient Reproductions. Uh, we specialize right now in just about uh, three species of boas and pythons. In the past, we've done as many as a dozen. We used to do uh, venomous snakes in the old days. Uh, as well, but now focus on just a couple of species, and we also have a, a very small um, field-grown palm business as well that we have in addition to the snake. So that's what Ancient Reproductions is all about right now. Does the wife like having these things around? She's actually got ex really extensive animal experience, uh, been at National Zoo, has a background in her education. That said, uh, still not to the ex near the extent that I am. And, and, and it's really funny if we're outside or something and she happens to see a black racer even or a snake do that patented really fast takeaway S-curve thing. She'll get chills and, and you know, go, Ugh! and I'm like, come on, really? After all these years and all these snakes. But yeah, yeah. So, uh, so no, she's a great supporter, but no, not as into it. I'm, 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 the, I'm the sort of captain at the helm of a ship of one <laughs> but no but let me let, let me just say that no it, as let me just say this really if anybody is out there that has animals and it doesn't matter if you have livestock or you know a lot of fish pets cats you you foster anything your partner you're in it with your partner and they're a big part of of all of it because it's so much work and responsibility that you just have to have support and she's always awesome Cool. Right on, man. Yeah. So, I mean, since all this uh, COVID-19 stuff has gone down, I mean, how, how have you guys been, been affected by all this? It's, uh, you know, at first it was, we saw it coming slowly like everybody did. And, and me being sort of a science geek, I said, you know, this thing's going to hit us. This thing is just mathematically you know, we needed to protect ourselves because I, I think I even heard like Adams of Adams ribs say something like, you know, we, we really try due to hurricanes and the lessons we've learned, you know, we've got generators. I maintain, you know, a good amount of gas on site all the time, diesel, a certain amount of water, food. Um, we also have a rodent colony to, that we're responsible for. And that's really critical. So when COVID hit all of a sudden, I think like everybody else, we were thinking, um, uh, wow. Okay. So I use as a normal part of my business, a lot of disinfectant, bleach, paper towels. I use uh, filtered water that I go out and get um, because I'm, I'm uh, working on an issue with my well water. Um, you know, we get feed from a, a, a local feed store and, you know, how are all those supply chains going to be impacted? You know, what are we looking at? You know, all of a sudden you couldn't find alcohol, you couldn't find um, you know, paper products became scarce. Bleach was a buzzword. So I would say that was kind of one part of it. And then the other part was, okay, A, are all of our customers just going to clam up because nobody really absolutely has to have a boa constrictor? Mm -hmm. um, 
but if they do, then how am I going to get it to them and how's that going to be impacted? So FedEx is my shipper of choice. And so then that's been kind of a wrinkle, although they've done phenomenally for us. And uh, I have no complaints. Of, I'm, I'm a really big believer. We ship everything priority overnight. Um, so it's been totally cool, although it's been tremendously worrisome. Some, in, in some parts of the country, I have a, a customer now in lower New York. You know, I'm, I have, I'm sitting on their animal for a while and holding it until this calms down a little bit, which is not unusual. Um, so, you know, that's one aspect, um, the, the winner, I can see you smiling now, but the winner, kind of, <laughs> no, I, I mean, I'm, I'm sorry, crazy. but no, it's crazy. No, my, my brain works in weird ways. You're, I mean, you're talking, but all I'm thinking about is trying to package up a snake via FedEx. I mean, <laughs> I'm just being honest. Like, I'm like, I'm like, I'm like sitting here wondering, like, literally, how does this happen? How do you do this? How do you put a snake? I mean, is this like in a priority envelope and it's like in a padded envelope and you're just like shipping it overnight? Like, you, you wouldn't want to steal that mail. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, I'm like, man, I would hate to be the, the carrier the carrier of this thing. I mean, uh, it's early I'm sorry days. to go completely it's, off subject here. Oh, that's great. Please, please tell me. Uh, no, and, yeah. Let me belay the fears of everybody that uses FedEx all of a sudden. Um, <laughs> yeah, please. <laughs> yeah, no, way, way back. Uh, we were looking for alternatives other than airport service as the industry was growing and we just needed a better alternative than sending every customer that you had to the local airport. And so we started looking around and I was fortunate enough. We tried UP, US, uh, UPS. That didn't work out too well. Um, uh, a friend of mine got started uh, with FedEx, who, who's a very large shipper. And so in the early days, I, we had to, these guys didn't know who we were, didn't know what we were all about, but looked at our business and said, hey, you know, you guys look like you're at our business as an industry really and looked at our and, and said, Hey, um, you know, they gave it a shot. So back then we had to send all my packing materials and everything to Memphis. And I think they dropped it off a two story building or something. And just to make sure it was tough enough to go through their system, stay, stay, what would be the proper terminology, stay, you know, stay rigid and all together so that we don't have any releases. Let, let me just frankly be frank and honest about it. You know, we don't, <laughs> don't want, want that, that. Yeah. Don't want that boa constrictor accidentally popping out in the yeah. warehouse. Yeah, we know. I mean, and hey, if you're not into reptiles, I totally respect that. When I was a little guy, I, they used to scare me. And so it's it's not fun. So we never want that to happen. Um, uh, nowadays, though, the regs are really worked out. And they've got uh, the business has grown significantly. And along with the economy and other businesses. So we've got really good regs that say you've got to have X thick insulation, you know, it's got to be a 32 ECT outside cardboard box it has to have three quarter inch insulation you need to have it you know the animals in either a bag or cup inside of that so it's it's knock on wood it's it's really safe and it's been a, a really great uh, service uh, for FedEx to provide and I think it may have basically stepped in and taken over the uh, the reptile and I think aquatic shipping they're also working on as well uh, for the U.S. So it's, uh, I'm going to take your word on it. Yeah. It's not like I can <laughs> drop by the shop and show you if I'm on the way sometime or when you get back open, I'll show you, but it's not like I'm like shipping anything else, but we, but you know, every single box is and every single order is a new box, brand new materials. It's tight and right. And we have to declare on the outside, uh, what's in the box so that everybody's informed. Everybody knows. It's not like the old days where once I got approval, when I got approval to ship FedEx, I think I was, I think I was, 
one of the first probably five people in the United States to get that approval. So Dang. all of a sudden I go to drop a box off at FedEx in Ocala one time and they call me and go, Mr. Gary here, we've got your shipment. And I'm going, okay, what can I do for you? Well, do you know what's in the box, sir? Yes, sir. I know what's in the box. He goes, there's a snake in the box. I go, yes, sir. I know that. <laughs> and so, and then I had to fax in my paperwork. I'm like, that's really the only reason I really have that account. And, you know, we've, I've gone through all the process, but every, it was, it was a lot of hurdles like that, getting the local people, you know, used to having a box come in that was obviously had ventilation holes in it and had maybe harmless written on it and stuff like that. So it was, it was a, goofy cultural transition but we made it and now it's i walk in with a label that's all pre-done i hand it to the fedex counter and thank you very much and away we, we go we need to do like a like a studio session with them sometime you know kind of like you know i remember like on letterman and like some of the tonight shows where they like bring the bring the creatures like on the show yeah that's <laughs> right did you have to resist the urge to tell the guy oh my gosh there's a snake in the box what do you mean <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad to have a little bit of fun. I know. I I was like, I you know, when you do this for a living, and 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 you're also somebody that's like totally understands, you know, really, I would call mainstream. You empathize a lot, so I we really try. We know how uh, controversial what we do can be, and especially back in the old days when the first snakes I got started breeding were cobras. You know, as a teenager, those were my first animals I ever produced. So imagine how popular I was with family. And um, so we know it's controversial in the old days to ship venomous stuff. It was a wooden box, metal corners, mesh, you know, over the air holes, multiple containers. So it looked like you were bringing the Tasmanian devil into, you know, Delta to ship. So it, it and people were like, I've got to see what's in the box. I'm like, you really sure? Do you really want me to open it up? I'll open it up. <laughs> And then, you know, then, the, then they, I open the container and then a Cobra goes and, yeah. and, and he's like, okay, I believe you. And it's like, yeah, man. I mean, you know, so we really try to hold the line and do, we're going to have to dive into more of these stories. Yeah, 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 yeah. This, is, this, this is great stuff. Not so, to get off the path. Yeah, no, no. It's like, it's good though. I'm like enjoying it. Um, <laughs> so, I mean, but so kind of going back to like the supply sure. chain and, and stuff, I mean, or demand, demand for your product or service. I mean, is, has it, I like I could assume that people aren't focused on buying snakes right now, but I mean, why? Like, what have you noticed? Yeah, how's it going? It, it's I was at first I was oh my gosh, here we are, kind of waiting to come into the warmer months that are easier to ship in, and literally a lot of my up north customers and prospects don't even want to order in the cool months because of the the issues with shipping. And sometimes it's just game off for, sometimes I'll hold an animal for somebody two or three months. But so I was really, so then bam, COVID hits and I'm like, oh my gosh, what's going to happen? And it wasn't, it was probably a couple of days later after things really tightened down here locally and the news was coming down nationally that it was getting more serious. We really didn't know the impacts that I got a call from somebody that I, that I sell wholesale to. I have some species that are more expensive, some that are less expensive and some that I primarily wholesale. And he goes, Hey man, what you got? You got, you know, you, you got X, Y, or Z. And I'm like, well, yeah, man. And, uh, he's like, boom, you know, how about, uh, set me up, ship me in a week. I'm like, Hey, great. And I was like, wow, that was a good sign. I was, I was taken off. I was taken a little off balance by that. And I told him, I said, you know, this might be a time of opportunity. Uh, he's a play. He's what I would say is a, is he's a real pro with a, with a really strong, well-established business. And I said, uh, you know, I wonder how this is going to go, but if people are home, 
and you know maybe this will create maybe this will have people looking at their reptiles wanting more because it's sort of like a potato chip you know maybe people will do homework or maybe want some companionship like we've heard that uh, adoptions are up for the warm fuzzy animals um, you know so I didn't know so I, I kept advertising I actually started to catch up we were just trying to move back into our house after a long time, um, after a, after a rebuild. And so we were in the middle of that boom, this hits. And, uh, so I called another, another friend of mine that I've been selling to for 30 years. And I said, Hey, would you be interested in X, Y, Z, try to get my head count down? Um, not knowing what was going to happen. Bam. Um, he says, sure, man, actually he contacts me. So I had my second customer contact me and I said, Hey, fantastic. Thanks so much. Boom. Shipped him. Uh, last week we put some, uh, uh, some animals up and actually this is the time where I was going to increase prices because the, so the, the, the pricier stuff I have is getting older and larger. And, and now would be the time where it, we really need to increase prices. And I said, I'm doing it. I'm doing it. I'm going to increase prices. I'm going to stay on the plan. I'm going to see what happens. And I sold three or four animals in one week, uh, at the increased price. Of course, I spent time on the marketing. I was filling out the descriptions because this one particular animal I'm talking about is is really new to the marketplace and something that we developed. So it seems like is it a tiger? No, it's a boa constrictor. <laughs> it's a it's an Argentine boa constrictor. Hey, I man, I've just heard about some weird stuff with tigers in Florida. Oh man, it's been, <laughs> it's, it's been a hot topic. So I was just curious if I if I if I wouldn't have to, but if I if you wanted to attend a reptile event with me. Dude, it's off the chain. The people that are the people that are in the literally industry. like is it literally like off the chain? Oh, no, like, it's no, it's just it's just animal people and exotics in the range from you know the academic to the absolutely wild uh, right. in every range in between. So it's just an interesting range of personalities. A lot of talented people, um, but just very you know not conformist, not norm, not, not traditional. I haven't even watched the tiger thing yet, but the guy, I give kudos to whoever produced it and did it because it's got mass appeal. You know, I can tell by the amount of feedback I've gotten from people. Oh gosh, it's, it's but, viral. Uh, uh, you can't, you can't really get away from it. People are either talking about COVID uh, or they're talking about Tiger King. Oh my gosh. I might sure. get a couple questions and I'll be right back. Yeah, man. Oh, right on. So Bob, how many, how many animals do you have on your property at any given time? Th these days, these days we shrunk, I shrunk the collection down. I almost, it's a little bit of an entrepreneur business, you know, aspect that your, your listeners might appreciate. But about 10 years ago, I sold the majority of my animals, uh, my, the majority of my collection. I, I sold it. I hit, a, I hit a time. I said I really wanted to do something else. I had been doing that full time for, you know, since I was 18 years old almost, really. I, was, I, was, I invested when I was 18. So um, we're way down. We only maintain, let's say, with inventory and breeders, maybe a couple hundred snakes at the moment. Um, which is really a, a small number. Used to so be that, that's that's well down. How much was it? Whenever you were like in the middle of it, this time of year could be a couple thousand. What? Yeah, yeah, no problem. Yeah, there, so there's do you like do you inventory them all? Like, how do you how do you keep uh you know how do you keep all that organized? Yeah, not much unlike anything else. There's a, usually numbering systems, and particular species have you particular really numbers. Barcodes on their back. I mean, what do you? <laughs> I thought about it. I thought about <laughs> chips on some of them, but no, that, that, to, 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 there it's, it's a, 
it's a too liquid environment, I guess. It's a, or, is there is there like a stud fee for the really prolific snakes or anything like? <laughs> well, there, and, and in reality, there there fun. probably there probably could be if there wasn't. Uh, you, you know, ironically, there's a lot of uh, there's health concerns in in uh, reptile groups too, just like we have with all this COVID stuff. Mm-hmm. Really, there's viruses out in uh, people's reptiles collect reptile collections that are that are deadly and that really can destroy your business completely, can completely destroy the collection. So th- there's actually uh, that comes into mind. But yeah, breeding loans with rare and valuable animals are not unusual to do exactly the thing that you're talking about. So it's not as unusual as you think. If you hear it, really animal, the reptiles are so unusual to most people and they get a lot of the, you know, you know, the, oh my gosh factor. But if you were to compare them to a lot of other animal industries, there's a lot of similarities and the more rarer and expensive animals command a higher price. And uh, literally, uh, you can also loan those out on breeding loans. They're pretty common in the industry, actually. I, I wanted to talk a little bit about that because whenever uh, we ran into each other at Lucy's, we, we started talking a, a bit about how lucrative some sides of this business can be with the, with the rare and exotic. So like so some of the price tags on it can just be astronomical. So talk a little bit about that. I'm curious if you'll share like, you know, the, the most expensive one you've ever sold or like what, what some of the ones that would just kind of like blow the minds of our audiences. Yeah. Yeah. I haven't had anything that's been, super crazy but what i've done over the years much like uh, you know any other business is to try to maintain some animals that are that are uh, lower in cost that i can potentially sell more that have a more reliable um you know sales path and you know you can count on for regular income you know let's say an animal that might retail for 150 dollars a piece let's say as a as a young one and then on up to some of the snakes i have for sale right now i was just working on the website before I'm coming over to you guys, you know, I'm selling snakes that are um, as high as about 1500 bucks a piece right now. Um, in the past, I've sold some animals for seven, eight, $10,000 a piece that were, you know, more rare in the marketplace. And, and, you know, it's not unusual for some of the, what usually happens in our business is there might be an unusual color variant that's spotted in the wild, let's say, that somebody might bring in and then they'll use that as the basis for, a, uh, a breeding effort and to essentially make more and, and sell those animals. And so I have seen particular snakes in the trade over the years. I think the most expensive one I have ever seen was, uh, Oh, I think there was some cash and maybe some trade, but it was close to 200,000. So, um, y- you know, that's been several years ago. Uh, but you know, those kind of numbers exist. So that's, that's so, that's so wild to me. Think that somebody I, would pay almost a quarter million dollars for a state, but I, I mean, I believe it. Yeah. Yeah. I, I walked out of a, of a show one time in the late nineties when I was investing in a new project and I was, uh, I guess I was still in my late twenties and I remember I was carrying a box and I, it was a, it was a 17 by 17 by 10 box and it had $37,000 worth of snakes in it. <laughs> And I was like, this is, this is even for, and for me, that was a lot, you know, I mean, that's a lot of money. And, uh, and I was like, ah, this is crazy. But um, it's, uh, it's, it's the way it's gone. It's the way it's so gone. With the, so, yeah, with those kind of price tags, and, and I'm not going to claim to be a scholar on it, but I know that like, there's, there's some, some bit of problem with uh, invasiveness in, in terms of people that have like let them out into the wild and stuff like that. Has, has it become like super highly like regulated? 
uh, by the government, like in terms of how that trade goes? And is there any, is there like an intense adoption process or like you have to screen people that, that want these animals or anything? It's, you know, every, every person that does what I do can use their own process. You know, we are all permitted here in Florida. We're, we're permitted pretty tightly. I've been permitted since, doesn't really matter, but many, many years. And, and, the, and, the, prom, and the permitting process has gotten um, a little more difficult depending upon the animal. Some animals, uh, really the animal that, that I used to make my living on was really legislated out of existence. So one year I was making, you know, close to $100,000 of income. The next year was zero. So I've been through that. That was Burmese pythons. Um, that was difficult. Um, the venomous snake regulations have increased. So game and fish is really done. I would say here in Florida and really across the country, a lot of agencies are trying to figure out how to regulate the business, but they definitely are the species that everybody sees or that, that not that everybody sees, but the ones that are a real concern for South Florida, where it's, you know, we have drastically different weather than South Florida with our freezes here. And you guys know that. I don't know if everybody, probably everybody in our area knows that. Um, the other day, somebody says, wow, you've got weather just like Homestead. And I was like, oh, not quite. <laughs> no. And um, uh, so, yeah, the, their regulation is increasing. But, and so it's caused people like me, frankly, to instead of raising giant snakes as a business and venomous snakes, they, the size of the animals keep decreasing. And, um, and they're animals that can be, and conversely, they're also animals that more people can keep. So, it, uh, so it's a good, I think that we've had a good uh, relationship with our regulators, but there's always, I, I think there's a, a certain amount of, of, you know, lack of understanding what we do that even still persists today. Um, but the trade across the U.S. and the world is, is really exploded. Um, so I think in some ways regulators are racing to catch up. And, 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 and so in a lot of areas, it's, you know, that education piece. And, you know, people want to be secure. And then there's also the piece that you talked about with the invasives, which is primarily in those extreme areas of, of let's say, Florida and maybe Texas, um, where that's a bigger concern. And so they're coming out with, for instance, here in Florida, not to bore you guys, but you asked, you know, they're, they've attempted, they've banned yellow anacondas, they've they're attempting to ban iguanas, attempting to ban tegus. And these are all animals that have unfortunately been released and have gotten out into, uh, into the wild and established. And, and, but let me say this, I want to say this on your, if I can say this just a second as props for pet owners, but number one, yep, there are adoption. A lot of people are, are doing adoptions, but number two, um, a lot of that wasn't caused by people just releasing pets, the stuff that you see and hear in the Everglades. Um, uh, a big one of those, uh, some of it was, some of it is unfortunately there's been unscrupulous uh, folks in the trade that have re purposefully released animals in the glades where everything lives just so they can go back and collect on those populations again and sell those animals. But then of course you can't contain mother nature. So now all of a sudden, boom, we've got too many animals that are like that. But the folks that are in the trade now, I think we're really trying to be responsible because we know we're such a hot button in what we do. And it's all good. Yeah. We got tigers and stuff. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Tigers, yeah. Man, I cannot wait for the first episode of snake King to come out with you <laughs> as the star. Like, I'm not like, I cannot wait for the Bob, day. Bob, Bob like, exotic. <laughs> oh Bob my God. That's great. That's yeah, great. Nah, I'm not sure if it'll be quite as colorful as that guy that's on <laughs> that new show, but. Uh, All right. Yeah, so man, I'm going to pull fun. this 
for the last two minutes, I'm going to pull this back towards uh, our situation with COVID-19. I like, I like that we went down that rabbit hole, though. It was a nice little break okay. from, from all the stuff that we've – I should say snake hole, I guess. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it's been a nice little uh, – you know, just something different from sure. the conversations that have come up, but uh, and that, it's kind of started with me and FedEx packaging. So, uh, oh. <laughs> sorry, <laughs> man. Yeah, yeah. I'm happy I, to entertain. I, I, I dig it, but the one thing that I do know about you is that you've been heavily invested in our community. You've worked with a lot of nonprofits and some other things, and so I would just say, like, maybe you could like wrap us up with like a word of encouragement, or you know, in, just for the organizations that are in Gainesville that are kind of, you know, that are going through this trial. Um, you know, there's a lot of people hurting right now. I mean, and, and I know your love for this community. So maybe you can kind of sign us off with, you know, with a word of encouragement for them. Sure. I, uh, I really love the community. I love Gainesville. Um, I've been here, you know, since I was a little kid. And I think the organizations are out there uh, pounding away and doing what they do. And they're also trying to adapt and figure it out. Um, I think a lot of them are. Uh, and what I see is, I think, and, and I know, and I know they've reached out to you uh, as well. And what I see is a lot of uh, maybe positive disruption where they're uh, looking to do things differently, to maybe bring new partners together, to make new relationships and almost, you know, and, and inform the community about what they do. And so I think that this time has been, is really difficult, but at the same time, those guys are, are doing exactly what they do, which is being where the rubber meets the road to help the people in our community that need it the most. And I think this is where they're really shining. And I would just encourage people to tune in to, if you see uh, an organization, you, you know, take just a second to learn about what they do and who they are and ultimately the impact that they make. And I think that you'll be really, really surprised, most people are, to see, you know, how many organizations that we have locally uh, that do the work that they do. So I think now is the time, if you have the resources, and that could be time, um, that could be being an advocate, uh, that could be in a lot of different forms, it could be a donor. Um, you know, reach out and, and learn about something that you've had an interest in, but, you know, maybe haven't uh, uh, an, an organization that you haven't learned about or, um, so I just think that it's a, I think it's going to be a positive disruption. I think those guys are some of the most adaptive people, uh, just like business people. And I think they're going to do a great job and I'm excited to see what kind of new partnerships come out. When I was speaking this morning with some of the folks at Grace, um, they had built some new partnerships. I see a new campaign that they're doing and, um, I think it's really great. So, um, I think we're going to come out of this really strong. I think this is one of the most, uh, help focused communities I've seen. And so I think the future is bright. Yeah, me too. Yeah. And, yeah. Uh, you know, it's, it, I, I really like that advice too, because the, you know, I, I get, I get asked a lot to kind of, to sit on, you know, boards of nonprofits and, and that kind of thing. And it's, you know, that I wish I, I wish I could, <laughs> I wish I could do it for all of them. Uh, you know, there's just such, such limited time. So, but one of the things that I've always uh, and I mean, anytime when they reach out, I'm like, well, you know, and some of them, some of them I haven't even really, um, you know, known that long or that well. And I'm like, let's like, let's, I mean, even recently I've just been like, let's jump on a zoom call. Cause I just want to learn more. Uh, I want to learn more about what you are, like what you're doing and you know, who it would be helpful for you to connect with because, you know, I, I feel like, you know, one of our primary roles, 
you know, as a podcast and as the leaders of this podcast is, is to be that connector within the community and to help people get to the resources that they're trying to get to. So, um, you know, so the more connectors that we have out there, the better. So I, so I would say, yeah, like even, even if you're not in a position where you can sit on a board or, you know, or donate or like at least just donate some of your time, listen to what they have to say and, and, and see what you can do to, to connect them to somebody. Um, you know, and that's what, I don't know. I'm, I just like love this community for that. Like we're always, um, like you said, we're just very giving, we're very resilient. You know, I'm like, I'm excited, you know, I'm excited to see how we come out of this thing. So yeah, man, that was good stuff. Mike, final thoughts, man. Yeah, I'll just say, I mean, thanks, thanks, Bob. Thanks, Gainesville listening audience. Uh, I mean, please support our guests. Please support today's sponsors, Collier's uh, Gainesville and Booker Pest Control. Uh, support our podcast at wognv.com. Support each other. Uh, reach out. I mean, we're here for collaboration, discussion, encouragement, whatever you need. We're here for you, and we'll all get through this together. Yeah, buddy. Bob, where can somebody come buy a snake? What, how do they contact you? Uh, best way to do it is uh, visit my website and start there at uh, ancientreproductions.com. Uh, you can check me out on Facebook. You can check me out on Instagram. Um, I'm easy to find, Bob, at Bob Garrier, Ancient Repro on Instagram. And uh, uh, that's literally how we uh, contact and connect with our customers and really deliver a lot of the value that we do. So I appreciate awesome. that. Yeah. I, yeah, dude, it's my goal to have every business in town have a pet snake. That's my goal now. Nice. <laughs> nice. I can set you up with that. <laughs> awesome. You know, like, Bob, you should really consider sponsoring our, our podcast because we could just get every episode, we could just be like, and if your business needs a snake, we've got the business for you. <laughs> can you guarantee exclusivity? <laughs> I can guarantee you exclusivity, my friend. Nice, uh, nice. No, dude, I think you got one of the most interesting like businesses. And I'm excited. We're gonna have to dive into this again sometime. Yeah. I know there's, I know there's some crazy stories to be told. So, so thanks oh for joining God. us, man. This was a lot of fun. Thanks for having me. Thanks for Great listening, you, everybody. You too. Yeah. And uh, you guys, this is the WHOA GNV podcast, the podcast bringing you businesses and individuals that make you go, whoa. We will see you later. Bye, everyone. Bye.